everyone. I hope you are staying healthy and safe. This podcast episode comes with a video interview. If you would like to watch the video interview, you can find the links of the interview in my episode notes. You can watch it either through my YouTube page or my Facebook page called Words of Heart Podcasts. However you choose to listen to it, I truly hope you enjoy it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Words of Heart. In today's episode, we have the absolute privilege of speaking with Johnny Crowder. He is the CEO and founder of the text-based application CopeNotes and is a musician of prison. Hope I said that right. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. So, Johnny, I know there's many facets to your personality. If you could um, divulge a bit about your personality to my audience, that would be great. Divulge a little bit about my personality. Hmm. That's the first time I've heard it worded like that. Um, I like cereal. (laughs) I'm very detail oriented. Um, I dream big. And as a result, I have pretty high expectations of myself and other people and my creative projects. Um, But perhaps most importantly, I am the type of person who is learning how to um, solve problems. So for example, growing up with mental illness, I was always under the impression that I would not be able to solve a problem. So let's say um, someone sneezed and touched a doorknob and I would think, oh no, I'm going to be in this room forever because I will never touch that doorknob. And now over the last like 20 years, I've learned more and more about um, the value of being able to solve problems. So whether that's through music or through my career or interpersonally. um, So that's an important component of my personality lately is just learning how to solve problems creatively. Interesting. Um, so you are, you do have this text-based application called Cope Notes, and it's centered on helping others with their mental health. Um, can you elaborate how that came to be? Um, because there's not many resources like it or that are as, um, yeah. Can you elaborate a bit on that? Sure. So uh, the the long version of the story is Um, If you want the 18 minute version of where it came from, um, I have a TED talk and I encourage you to look that up at some point if you're listening and you're like, no, I want all the details. But the short version of the story is um, I grew up with a lot of different mental illnesses and I was frustrated by the fact that there was no consistency in my support. So if I went to a therapist, it was once a week. Um, Or if I met with a psychiatrist, it was once every two weeks. Or if there was like a webinar or a book or something, it was all this periodic stuff. It wasn't anything consistent. Um, And I really needed like, instead of one big thing every once in a while, I needed one small thing every day. So I started leaving sticky notes all around my house that would help me reframe negative thoughts. And eventually I started sending text messages to my friends and trying to text myself, which was pretty challenging. Um, and then eventually that led to the birth of Cope Notes. Awesome. Um, what's one of the biggest achievements that has occurred since you launched Cope Notes? 
Um, we survived the three-year death squeeze. So, like, pretty much every company in the first three years dies. Like, you know, a vast majority of people who start companies, and I don't mean like a side thing, like starting a side hustle. Side hustles can live for a long time um, because they don't need as much, like, nurturing and constant support. But if you're talking a company where you, like, have to hire employees and you have real customers and you don't have time for side hustles, um, that type of company is almost always destined to fail in the first few years. So um, I was just telling a buddy yesterday when we passed on our three-year anniversary, I was still like feeling that squeeze. And then day one of year four. So the day after our three-year anniversary, I was like, wow, I can do this. So I would say that ultimately the first accomplishment that comes to mind is just not being destroyed by COVID, like us still being a company a year later, because it was really tough. Um, speaking of COVID, do you feel um, people utilizing um, your application more considering everything is so conducive to the home and we're really isolated right now? Do you find people utilizing um, your app? I don't know how to describe it. App platform um, more considering the pandemic? Definitely. And I think it's because a lot of people who could pretend like mental health didn't apply to them. Uh, just had to spend a year by themselves in their house. And, and like after that, you it's much more difficult to excuse yourself from the mental health conversation. So as people become more and more aware of things like anxiety and depression in their own personal life, they're much more open to using resources. But um, those folks might not want to jump straight into seeing a psychiatrist or jump straight into treatment. So Cope Notes is like a good first step for those people who are saying, I want to work on my mental health, but I don't know if I'm ready for all that yet. I just need a good starting place. All right. Um, so you did mention you have had a TED Talk, which I believe has a million views right now. No, I wish. Hopefully by <laughs> the time people are listening to this, it'll have a million views, but not not quite. We're working our way up. Okay. Um, that's still a massive achievement overall, um, considering your um, history and what how your experiences have affected you. Um, there was a point you made in the TED Talk about how um, you don't have to hit rock bottom in order to turn your life around. Um, you emphasize like you don't have to have that epitome moment to actually um, get your life together. Could you elaborate a bit on what you meant by that? Yeah, so a lot of times in my life growing up, I like wasn't sick enough for people. Like I wasn't in enough of a crisis to qualify for crisis resources. And then I wasn't quite, I, my, my symptoms of schizophrenia weren't exaggerated enough to qualify for a certain type of support. And it's like, that's such a shame. We, we say that, oh, wait until they're really, really, really sick. And that's when they'll bounce back. And it's sad. Like there's nothing preventative about that. It's like, we're encouraging people to get worse and worse um, and that doesn't always turn out like that. Like think of all the people who say, oh, it took me getting to rock bottom to realize I had to turn my life around. Think of all the people who hit rock bottom and passed away or all the people who hit rock bottom and never spoke about it to anybody. Like there's a survivorship bias around um, mental health where we shine a light on people who really got their life back together. And they learned in this really dramatic story, like a, like a blockbuster movie, but Lots of people don't have to learn that way. So my point is, 
you don't have to wait for your life to get worse to make a decision about how you want to make it better. Interesting. Um, the thing about your perspective is really different than mine. You are really, you don't sugarcoat things um, from the interviews I've watched and I'm kind of optimistic and bubbly, but um, the thing about your perspective is you understand the real gritty and ugliness of mental health um, from the depths of your experiences and everything. So um, with that being said, um, there's a song um, by your band Prison. Um, for the record, I'm not really into metal music. I think that, I don't know how to classify it. Um, but um, from your talks, you've mentioned how you emphasize mental health in your music. Um, and it was really hard for me to connect um, the correlation between metal music and mental health, because in my own opinion, when you think of metal music, you don't automatically think of mental health. But um, after listening to one of your songs, um, I understand the connection because metal music is considered to be intense, but so is mental health in the overall grand scheme of things. Um, so that's one of the songs you wrote was called Rape Me. Um, how did you come about writing that? Because it was really, it was actually really um, hard for me to actually watch the entire video. Yeah, so it was hard, it was hard for me to write the song. So um, I was sexually abused and I didn't know what to do with that. You know, you're in your, I was in my early twenties and you know, it's like, how do you process that? You don't just like, or at least for me, I, I wouldn't just like sit down with my friends and be like, Hey, so you want to talk about what I just went through, you know? So I, I buried it for a long time and writing has helped me communicate not only what I went through, but, um, um, some really poignant ideas around prevention. So there's there's lines in that song that are like, no means no, and my body is not your property and stuff. And there are people who have my body is not your property tattooed on themselves. And they, we made t-shirts that said it. And um, we even have, we have t-shirts that say no means no means no means no means no all over the front of the shirt. And we've had, there's been incredible feedback from people who say, you know, when I heard that song, it really bothered me and it really upset me. And it did something in me where I didn't want to listen to it again. But then the next day I was listening to it. And then a week later I was listening to it and it helped me understand what happened to me when I was a kid. Or maybe, maybe someone says I was sexually aggressive towards someone else. And I didn't realize that's what I was doing. And your song helped me come to terms with that and apologize to that person. So I think part of the problem is that we do a lot of sugarcoating around things like sobriety and consent and mental health because they're kind of taboo. But the more we sugarcoat stuff, the less people are equipped with the information to recognize like, you know, I didn't even know I was abused until years later. And it's because we don't talk about it as a society. So I didn't even know the signs or things to look out for. Like I couldn't even identify the abuse when it was happening to me. And that's because we're not as frank and straightforward as we should be about stuff like this. Absolutely. Um, so you mentioned you have, um, um, I'm trying to not use the scientific term. Um, you have a couple of disorders. Um, I have some health deficiencies as well, so I can relate to you in regards to that. Um, on a personal level, um, do you think our health conditions define us or is only one small part of who we are? I've said this 
before they define you as much as um, a phrase like, I like barbecue defines you. Um, <laughs> you know, if you didn't like barbecue tomorrow, you would still be you. Um, and if you somehow your doctor said, oh, actually we thought you had bipolar one, but now you have bipolar two, that's our mistake. It wouldn't change your, your identity or anything like that. You're still you. So I would say that a diagnosis is a detail um, but details can change as we learn more information. But more importantly, learning about your diagnoses can help you learn about yourself. Um, like, for example, I didn't even know I liked basketball all that much until I started playing. So it's kind of important to, to treat diagnoses just like you would treat anything else. Like, read about it, educate yourself, see if it resonates with you, see what you can learn from it. Because um, actually coming to terms with my diagnoses it made me realize that I am not a sum of my diagnoses, but that doesn't mean that I shouldn't be learning about them to equip myself with the tools and coping strategies I need to overcome those symptoms. Absolutely. And um, I had, I don't know how much you know about me, but just to give you further insight. Um, I got diagnosed with diabetes a year ago at the start of the pandemic, which is really terrifying because this virus can potentially kill us all. Um, and many people responded um, differently. Um, primarily, they were freaking out because I had many issues growing up health-wise. So to have to undergo this huge drastic health change in my 20s um, was really upsetting to everyone in my household. But it was far better than the alternative because I could have died. Um, I didn't know they were sentenced to diabetes at the time, but I was, my body was, ah, it was basically a skeleton, unfortunately. And just to go further in insight, that was probably the most oppressive stage of my lifetime because I could have turned into dust at any given moment. My mental health was definitely shaped to its core because I had no idea what the solution was. And I had trouble dealing with my emotions um, during that specific time. But there was a solution. Um, and I could have been like, no, I'm not gonna inject myself with insulin every day. Or I could see this as a blessing that, hey, I have another chance to live my life. So um, I took what happened to me, not as a curse, which I think many people did see it as a curse, but as a way of giving my life more purpose, so. I completely um, understand about diving in deep to figuring out what your diagnosis is and that it is a part of you, but it doesn't have to be all of you, I think. Yeah, it's awesome to hear that you leveraged it too. Like, it's not saying that diabetes was a net positive thing, but you can leverage it to create something positive. Um, and that sounds kind of insensitive when we talk about stuff like that. Like if you told me right after I experienced sexual abuse, like, oh, well, you can turn this into a song and it's going to help people. I'd be like, shut up. Like, <laughs> I don't want to hear that. I'm going through something really brutal. But the truth is that you can leverage the, the ugliest, most difficult things that happen to you for good. And it sounds like that's exactly what you did. Yeah. I strongly believe that even though our experience is good, bad, and ugly, um, affect us in a dramatic way, depending on whatever that experience may be, but it does have a way of shaping us into who we are. 
um, whether we want to believe it or not. Um, oh yeah. I'm, I, it's weird to say this cause it kind of contradicts what we're talking about, but in some ways I am a sum of the 10 worst things that have ever happened to me. You know what I'm saying? Like I would be a completely different person if those things didn't happen. So if I could go back in time and erase those things, it would be really tempting to be like, heck yeah, go back and make my life perfect. Um, but it's not about like, that's, that's a non possibility. You cannot go back and undo what has happened to you. So the only real question, the question isn't, would you go back in time and reverse it? Cause that's not possible. The question is um, now that it has happened, what are you going to do with it? Right. It's about how you react, how you, the aftermath, I guess, of the situation. Um, man, this is such a good conversation. <laughs> and it's Mental Health Awareness Month, apparently, which I had no idea was even a thing. Heck yeah. <laughs> um, so I do have an icebreaker question for you. I don't know if I'm going to be able to stump you. Um, many of my guests enjoy this question, so we shall see if you could have any superpower that's not flying, because many people like flying, but that makes this question too easy and life isn't easy. So my icebreaker question shouldn't be easy. So if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Uh, teleportation, for sure. <laughs> like, think about it. If I could go from, from right here where I am to Dubai, to England, <laughs> to Jamaica, back home in like a blink. Oh man, I would be over the moon. Although then, so I really like cars. So I probably wouldn't need to be driving all that much, which means I couldn't <laughs> enjoy cars, but I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to say if I could teleport, um, just like snap of the fingers, go from here to across the world and back. Um, I would be able to see so many more of my friends, I would be able to experience so many like cool parts of nature. Like I've never been in the Amazon rainforest. And imagine if I could snap from right here to the Amazon rainforest and go, oh no, this place is gross. And there's spiders and snakes and I'm scared. I could just snap right back versus <laughs> like booking a trip and being on a plane forever and getting there and having to put up with it. Teleportation. Okay. You do like nature, as many people can tell from your background poster, which I'm the only one that can see it at the moment. Um, the power I would pick is not exactly a power, but I think it's possible is the power for this podcast to be heard across other galaxies that have yet to be discovered. Heck yeah, that'd be awesome. Aliens jamming the podcast. <laughs> yes, intergalactic broadcasting. I love it. Absolutely awesome. So um, it is Star Wars Day also. So wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> um, I'm a huge Star Wars head because of my family. So um, are you familiar with Star Wars at all? So when I was younger, I watched the we had the VHS box set of the three like the main trilogy um so like episode four five and six um and i watched those when i was younger but then i didn't keep up so like as uh, episode one two and three came out i kind of like fell off um so i would say i'm not very familiar with it as a whole but i like know what it is and i've seen part of it oh johnny i thought we could be friends uh. dude i need to study up for sure 
Well, I was gonna ask you if you could be on the dark side of the force or the light side of the force, which would you choose? Oh, no question. There's no question. <laughs> There's no question. I you gotta I am I am a textbook good guy. I will like spend 45 minutes cleaning out a peanut butter jar so I can recycle it. Like I am just I am such I am so team good guy, it's almost annoying. Okay. All right. So we can still be friends because you picked the light <laughs> side then. <laughs> uh as awesome as this conversation has been, we're getting close to the end of this awesome conversation. Um, do you have any final thoughts for those who may think mental health doesn't apply to them before we wrap up here? Yeah, you're super wrong. You're totally <laughs> wrong. So um, I've, I've said this before, if you, if you have a brain, then the topic of mental health applies to you, period. It's like not up for debate. It doesn't matter how you feel about it. If you have a brain, your brain's health matters, period. Um, and I also wanted to say that this is a misconception around Cope Notes. People think Cope Notes is like specifically for people living with a certain diagnosis or something. And that's not true. We have tons of like literally thousands of subscribers who don't have any diagnoses. We have thousands of subscribers that do live with diagnoses and there's no, it's not like we put people into categories and say, oh, you're one of those people and you're one of those people. No, if you have a brain and you're interested in working on your mental health, but you don't know where to start, Cope Notes is for you. There's no, you don't have to like pre-qualify for anything or have any particular life experience. I created it to be the best first step. It's kind of like um, if you don't want to eat broccoli and then you cover it with cheese. <laughs> and you're technically, you technically still get your vegetables. That's what Cope Notes is. So for people who are, are nervous about participating in the mental health conversation, or they don't quite know how to word what they're going through, or what resource is best for them, um, Cope Notes is designed to be exactly that, an easy foot in the door, an easy first step towards a healthier brain. Awesome. So I do have one last question. Um, you're a Christian, if I'm not mistaken. Um, how do you feel God has helped your, um, has helped cope notes during this season, or do you feel it has helped it and shaped it in some way? Yeah, hundred percent. Like I was just talking to a buddy last night about how there have been, I'm not going to lie. There've been a lot of times through cope notes where, um, I felt lost and frustrated and I didn't know what I was going to do. And I felt like God didn't show up, right? Like I was praying for, some contract to come through, or I was praying, you know, I hired some people that I really thought were the right people and they uh, turned out to be the wrong people. And I felt so betrayed and hurt. So I've definitely experienced peaks and valleys, but whenever we get a text or an email that says, you know, I got a text about, um, about my relationship with my body or like my body image or whatever while I was trying on my wedding dress and I started crying and it, it changed completely changed the way I look at myself and I feel so much more body positive and I bought the dress that I wanted to buy and I didn't guilt myself. I'm so excited for my wedding now. I'm like, I didn't choose to send that text right then. Like that is, that has to be something outside of myself. So I credit God every time someone says, how did you know I got this text at this time and it totally resonated with exactly what I was going through? I'm like, dude, that I'm not doing that for thousands of people every day. That's someone much 
much smarter and more powerful than me. Oh, absolutely. Um, do you have any social plugins to tie in um, before we wrap up here? Yeah, I would say um, your best one-stop shop to get in touch with me or learn about what I do is just copenotes.com. There's my TED Talk is on there. We have a podcast called the Cope Notes Podcast that's linked on there. Um, there's a contact form if you need to get in touch with me for any reason. Um, and then I'm on social media. If you, on Instagram, I'm Johnny Crowder loves you. Um, on Facebook, I'm just Johnny Crowder. And on LinkedIn, I'm trying to be more active on there. So if you are a LinkedIn person, please add me and then hold me accountable. Like make me start using LinkedIn like an adult. Awesome. And I just have to say your like Instagram handle is amazing because I don't think there's a cooler Instagram handle than that. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. Well, Johnny Crowder was taken and I was like, son of a gun, what am I going to do? And the guy who is Johnny Crowder on Instagram doesn't even use it. He like doesn't even post. He hasn't posted in years. And I was like, man, I have to do something memorable. So Johnny Crowder loves you. It is. Absolutely. Thank you for joining me today, Johnny. This was a wonderful conversation. Heck yeah. Thanks for having me. Awesome. To all my listeners, stay healthy, stay safe. May the force be with you. And until next time. Bye. Hello, everyone. It is your heart warrior, Dion, here. I hope you enjoyed the latest episode of Words of Heart. If you liked this episode and would like to leave a rating slash review, please do not hesitate to do so. You can leave the review slash rating on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. In addition, if you would like to let me know right away your thoughts on this episode, you are also welcome to leave a voice message right here on the Anchor app. I hope you enjoyed this episode and have a wonderful day.